story twelve of life's little ironies by thomas hardy this librivox recording is in the public domain story twelve the superstitious man's story william as you may know was a curious silent man you could feel when he came near ye and if he was in the house or anywhere behind your back without your seeing him there seemed to be something clammy in the air as if a cellar door was opened close by your elbow well one sunday at a time that william was in very good health to all appearance the bell that was ringing for church went very heavy all of a sudden the sexton who told me it said he'd not known the bell go so heavy in his hand for years it was just as if the gudgeons wanted oiling that was on the sunday as i say during the week after it chanced that william's wife was staying up late one night to finish her ironing she doing the washing for mr and mrs hardcombe her husband had finished his supper and gone to bed as usual some hour or two before while she ironed she heard him coming downstairs he stopped to put on his boots at the stair-foot where he always left them and then came on into the living-room where she was ironing passing through it towards the door this being the only way from the staircase to the outside of the house no word was said on either side william not being a man given to much speaking and his wife being occupied with her work he went out and closed the door behind him as her husband had now and then gone out in this way at night before when unwell or unable to sleep for want of a pipe she took no particular notice and continued at her ironing this she finished shortly after and as he had not come in she waited a while for him putting away the irons and things and preparing the table for his breakfast in the morning still he did not return but supposing him not far off and wanting to get to bed herself tired as she was she left the door unbarred and went to the stairs after writing on the back of the door with chalk mind and do the door because he was a forgetful man to her great surprise and i might say alarm on reaching the foot of the stairs his boots were standing there as they always stood when he had gone to rest going up to their chamber she found him in bed sleeping as sound as a rock how he could have got back again without her seeing or hearing him was beyond her comprehension it could only have been by passing behind her very quietly while she was bumping with the iron but this notion did not satisfy her it was surely impossible that she should not have seen him come in through a room so small she could not unravel the mystery and felt very queer and uncomfortable about it however she would not disturb him to question him then and went to bed herself he rose and left for his work very early the next morning before she was awake and she waited his return to breakfast with much anxiety for an explanation for thinking over the matter by daylight made it seem only the more startling when he came in to the meal he said before she could put her question what's the meaning of them words chalked on the door she told him and asked him about his going out the night before william declared that he had never left the bedroom after entering it having in fact undressed lain down and fallen asleep directly never once waking till the clock struck five and he rose up to go to his labour 
betty privet was as certain in her own mind that he did go out as she was of her own existence and was little less certain that he did not return she felt too disturbed to argue with him and let the subject drop as though she must have been mistaken when she was walking down long puddle street later in the day she met jim wheedle's daughter nancy and said well nancy you do look sleepy to-day yes mrs privet said nancy now don't tell anybody but i don't mind letting you know what the reason of it is last night being old midsummer eve some of us went to church porch and didn't get home till near one did ye says mrs privet old midsummer's yesterday was it faith i didn't think where twas midsummer or michaelmas i'd too much work to do yes and we were frightened enough i can tell ye by what we saw what did you see you may not remember sir having gone off to foreign parts so young that on midsummer night it is believed hereabout that the faint shapes of all the folk in the parish who are going to be at death's door within the year can be seen entering the church those who get over their illness come out again after a while those that are doomed to die do not return what did you see asked william's wife well says nancy backwardly we needn't tell what we saw or who we saw you saw my husband says betty privet in a quiet way well since you put it so says nancy hanging fire we thought we did see him but it was darkish and we was frightened and of course it might not have been he nancy you needn't mind letting it out though tis kept back in kindness and he didn't come out of church again i know it as well as you nancy did not answer yes or no to that and no more was said but three days after william privet was mowing with john childs in mr hardcombe's meadow and in the heat of the day they sat down to eat their bit and lunch under a tree and empty their flagon afterwards both of em fell asleep as they sat john childs was the first to wake and as he looked towards his fellow mower he saw one of those great white miller's souls as we call em that is to say a miller moth come from william's open mouth while he slept and fly straight away john thought it odd enough as william had worked in a mill for several years when he was a boy he then looked at the sun and found by the place of it that they had slept a long while and as william did not wake john called to him and said it was high time to begin work again he took no notice and then john went up and shook him and found he was dead now on that very day old philip hookhorn was down at longpuddle spring dipping up a pitcher of water and as he turned away who should he see coming down to the spring on the other side but william looking very pale and odd this surprised philip hookhorn very much for years before that time william's little son his only child had been drowned in that spring while at play there and this had so preyed upon william's mind that he'd never been seen near the spring afterwards and had been known to go half a mile out of his way to avoid the place on inquiry it was found that william in body could not have stood by the spring being in the mead two miles off and it also came out that the time at which he was seen at the spring was the very time when he died ah, a rather melancholy story observed the emigrant after a minute's silence 
yes yes well we must take ups and downs together said the seedsman father you don't know mr lackland i suppose what a rum start that was between andre satchel and jane vallens and the pa'son and clerk of scrimpton said the master thatcher a man with a spark of subdued liveliness in his eye who had hitherto kept his attention mainly upon small objects a long way ahead as he sat in front of the van with his feet outside theirs was a queerer experience of a pa'son and clerk than some folks get and may cheer you up a little after this dampness has been flung over your soul the returned one replied that he knew nothing of the history and should be happy to hear it quite recollecting the personality of the man satchel oh no this andre satchel is the son of the satchel that you knew this one has not been married more than two or three years and twas at the time of the wedding that the accident happened that i could tell ye of or anybody else here for that matter no no you must tell it neighbour if anybody said several a request in which mr lackland joined adding that the satchel family was one he had known well before leaving home i'll just mention as you be a stranger whispered the carrier to lackland that christopher's story will bear pruning the emigrant nodded well i can soon tell it said the master thatcher schooling himself to a tone of actuality though as it has more to do with the pa'son and clerk than with andre himself it ought to be told by a better churchman than i End of story twelve.